Good evening. Will you please turn with me to Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. That is page 977 and the Red Pew Bibles in front of you. Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. I will be reading from the NIV version. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Keep your Bibles open to Ephesians, and now look at chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and look down in verse 20. Paul is writing, and he gives a description of what is more or less an outline, a description of what the church looks like. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ is greater than any human institution ever built. Why is it? Why is it that the church of Jesus Christ is so great? This is because God is its author, Christ is its builder, Christ is its head, and Christ is its savior. God is its author, Christ is its builder, Christ is its head, and Christ is its savior. We as Christians need a true understanding of and deep appreciation for the church. After all, do we not make up the church? Should we not understand the very thing we are a part of? So now we're going to look at several different metaphors used in the New Testament that that describe the church as a whole and the different components that make up the church. The church as a whole is described as as the building or temple of God. This illustration is found in several places. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. In several places do we find the theme of a building or a temple to describe the church. In the one example, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, You are God's building. The idea is that the church has been built and is being built by God into a place where he dwells. Let's think about what it means for the church to be God's building. Let's think about what it means for the church to be a place where God dwells. In the first place, consider that the church has a strong and immovable foundation. A building will always have a foundation. Without a solid foundation, it's worthless. It's it's nothing. For the church, this foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation that was laid is strong. It's immovable. Jesus said that the gates of Hades would never prevail against his church. It has a solid foundation. 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. We as Christians can be confident in the fact that we can live our lives and build our lives on a structure, on a foundation that is not weak, but will last an eternity. Moving on, consider number two, that the bricks that the church is built of are we as individual Christians. Look again in Ephesians chapter 20, or chapter 2, verse 20. It says, You, us, have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now turn over in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We see the words built, foundation, cornerstone, building, fitted, temples, stones, houses, all these words describing the relation we have to the church, the building, the holy temple. We have been fitted by God into his church. You and I have a place to work as we continue to build up the body. Third, consider that the church is the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, the physical temple was where God would dwell. It was said he he would abide among his people, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5. Now, as we live under the New Testament, the church is the place where God dwells. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, it reveals to us that the church is being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Before I close, I'd like to give you with a side thought to think about. We as Christians, as living stones, have a very big responsibility in and outside the church. God has fitted us not only to be his church and build his church, but we also have the responsibility to, 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 uh, what's the word, represent his church in a good way. We have the the responsibility to represent his church in a way that brings glory and honor to him. Back when I was in seventh grade, I think I was in seventh grade, we had a Sunday night Devo for the youth group over in the fellowship building. After the Devo, the kids were playing dodgeball, and I remember Eric Winkler had said something or done something to make me very angry. I was was yelling at him. I was probably this far away from his face, just pointing my finger as mad as I could get. In that moment, I wasn't representing the church in the way that God would have me to represent his church. We, as Christians, as living stones, have the responsibility to represent God's church in the way that is to be represented. We need to look at how we represent the church to the outsiders. The outsiders at work or at school, are we making the church seem appealing Are we making it seem loving, hopeful, kind? We are the members of his church, and we as members need to to ask ourselves if we are representing his church 
in a way that brings glory and honor to him. Some people may ask, what is so great about the church? The church is God's building. He's the owner. He's the designer. He's the builder. We as Christians are the bricks that make it up. And best of all, God himself dwells in the church. God himself dwells in us. There is nothing on earth quite as special as God's church. Not only is the, is the Lord's church described as a building, but it is also described as a body. When the Bible calls the church a body, it shows us both unity and fellowship that are both important parts of what it means for us to be a church. The Bible says we are endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4.3. And it also states that we have fellowship with one another, 1 John 1, verse 7. Let's consider some ideas about what it means for the church to be a body. First, Christ is the head of the body. The church on earth has only one head, and that is Jesus Christ. Please turn to Colossians 1, verse 18. Here, Paul talks about how God is preeminent. Look at verse 18, where it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. There is no man, no council, and no assembly that is the head of the church. That role belongs to Jesus Christ alone. And since Christ is the head of the body, his authority is final. Everything that, everything that the body does comes from the head. This is why Mary, Mary wisely says, whatever Jesus says to you, you do it. In John 2, verse 5, all authority belongs to Jesus. But that's not all. Notice also the idea of the church being a body means that Christians are attached to one another. Romans 12, verse 5 says we are everyone members one of another. Our hands are attached to the same body as our feet, and the same principle applies to the church. Since we are attached to one another, there is to be harmony in the body. Please turn over to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. Again, that is 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25. Here it teaches, There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members individually. Every member has a particular place and use, but even the humblest member makes up part of the body. Finally, please turn over to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. This is the final idea, which is anyone can become part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12.13 teaches, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We all have been made to drink into one Spirit. Our bodies grow when we eat more than we should. The body of Christ, the church, 
is unusual because it is constantly growing by adding members. The Bible says people are added to the church through baptism. The Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. Acts 2, verse 47. Anyone can become part of the body of Christ, but in order to do so, we must respect him as the head and we must be willing to work together with, each, with other Christians. As I close my part of the lesson, I'd like to leave you all with one question, and that is, are you part of the body of Christ? We've already discussed that the church is a building, and we've discussed the church as a body. But let's now talk about the church as a vineyard and the work that the church does. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And that's where the majority of our lesson will take place. <clears throat> and this is the parable of the vineyard. In this parable, we can learn four observations about the church. The first observation that we learn is that the work of the church is very important. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. You'll notice that Jesus uses the word early, and this implies that the work of the vineyard is important. Notice that the church is a soul-saving institution. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. The church is also a God-glorifying institution. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The church is also a Christ-exalting institution. John 12, verse 32, Jesus speaking here, says, And I, if I am lifted up from earth, will draw all peoples to myself. So notice, the work that the church does is soul-saving, it's God-glorifying, and it's Christ-exalting. As you can see, the work that the church does is very important to God, and it should be the most important things in our lives as well. The second thing that we notice is that the work the church does depends on the volunteers. In the parable, it says that the householder or the landowner went out to hire laborers. The landowner didn't try to scare these laborers into working for them, as a scared worker would not be trustworthy, nor would they be diligent. He didn't try and force people to work for him. The same goes for us in the church. When we go out and we try to evangelize, we can't force the gospel on people. All we can do is plant the seed and hope that they will receive it. The landowner also looked for volunteers, and then he went and hired them. Jesus is looking for volunteers and diligent followers of him to carry out his work. The work that the church does truly does depend on the members or the Christians that attend there. If there's no passion 
and no drive to proclaim the gospel, then there isn't going to be much evangelism that takes place. We here at Katie need to be a vineyard that is full of passionate workers ready to proclaim God's word. The third observation that we see about the work of the church is that it requires workers, not lazy people. In verse 1, it says he wanted to hire laborers. When you hire someone, you hire them to do a job and you expect them to do that job. You don't expect them to come and not do anything for you. In the church, there's no room for a lazy person. There's only room for workers. Proverbs 10:26 says, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a lazy person to those who send him. We need to be willing to work for the Lord, and we, not, we need not to be lazy. And when we sing, we'll work till Jesus comes, we need to truly mean it. The fourth observation that we see is that the Lord's work is to be done in his vineyard, or his church. Remember, this is the landowner's property. He doesn't want to hire laborers and them not do work in his field. The same goes for Jesus and his church. There are many people in this world that do many great things, and they're very religious people. But they are not working in the correct vineyard. Jesus only died on the cross for one church. Acts 20 verse 28 says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to the shepherd, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It's always good to do good things and to bless others, but we need to make sure that we're doing it in a way that God would have us to do it. Jesus says that his church is his vineyard. He wants all men to work and labor for him, but he wants it to be in his vineyard and his church. Matthew 20, verse 16 says, So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. On the day of judgment, many will say that they did much good in the name of Jesus, but he will say, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The church is described as a vineyard of the Lord. Are you hard at work in his vineyard? At this time, we're going to offer an invitation, and if you're a part of the vineyard, or you're not a part of the church, you can come forward having believed in Jesus, repenting of your sins, confessing his name, and being baptized for the remission of your sins, you can become a part of the church that Jesus bled and died for. Or maybe you have struggled and would like to ask for prayers. Whatever your need, please come now as we stand and sing. Yeah.